so good to see each of you. And I want to just share a few words from the scriptures and just uh, open the scriptures up. And I will tell you just as a preface to what I'm saying and what I'm going to be uh, sharing with you tonight. I sense the nearness of the Lord. Now, I, I can't express just why um, I feel the nearness of the Lord, but I sense that Jesus is going to come for us soon. I know, now, you know, God, God's soon is not always our soon. I know sometimes, you know, you, you, you're young, maybe you're in your 20s, and you sense God's coming and he doesn't, and now you're 40, in your 40s. But I've sensed something that is very different, and I'm sensing that he wants us, his children, to know about his coming and to be prepared for his coming and not to be caught unawares. I want to, I'm going to share some scriptures, brothers in the booth uh, and sisters. Uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to read this. It's sort of kind of out of, out of my order that I placed, but I want to do this uh, just to give you a little hint of something that God is saying. In uh, chapter 5, verses 1 uh, through, I don't know, let's see where we go. We'll start in verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. This is a true saying. And I want you to, uh, like, put your finger there and let's go beyond there. He says, for when they say, it's not you, but when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. They shall not escape. But you, brethren, he changes the direction of the conversation. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. You know, sometimes we look at brothers and sisters, we go, what's wrong with them? But Paul is saying, even though they may appear what we call lethargic or drowsy, Paul makes an emphatic statement. This is a statement that he emphasizes, and he says, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And this is what I want to iterate and reiterate to you every time I stand is who you are in Jesus Christ and who Jesus is in you. He says, there, um, we are not of the night nor of the day. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. You and I are all sons of the light. We are not of darkness. That day will not overtake you as a thief. It will not overtake you as a thief. Now, I want to, to go to um, my, my message proper, the final examination part two, part six. What Jesus did when he was going into Jerusalem on that 10th day, 
before his crucifixion. He was going there, as we've said, to be examined by those teachers of the law and by the rulers. They were God's leaders, and so he went there to be examined by them. They were to find him perfect in every way. And so Jesus is now continuing that. He has silenced them. He has silenced the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Uh, he has silenced all of those leaders. They could not trick him or trip him up in anything. He was perfect, yet they would not accept this perfection. They would not accept this perfection. They still wanted to kill him. Even at the time when they were saying, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would never have, have done what they did. We would not have been uh, partakers in the murder of the prophets, of God's prophets. But at the same time, they were plotting to kill him. So they were witnesses against themselves. I had intended to start at Matthew uh, 24, 14, but I'm going to go, uh, let's go back up to, let's go to Matthew 24, 4. Um, and Jesus is saying, his disciples have um, asked him, to tell them when those things would be, that is, the, the, uh, the end times and the destruction of Jerusalem. And Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And I think that sometimes we think that that has to be somebody saying, Well, I'm Jesus, like the, well, is the, the quote-unquote Reverend Moon did. And several people have said, I am the Christ. And they have deceived people. But not only are, are they saying, will they say, I am the Christ, but they will also say, I am of Christ. He, has, he gave me this word. He told me the, thus and so. So many will come like that or being false prophets. And, and uh, Jesus says, and will deceive many. But now Paul told us that we are out of that, those of us who are truly in Christ, not those of us who are churchgoers. There is a difference. There are people who just join the people of God. They kind of like what they see. I, when I was a boy, I, I knew guys, uh, older men. I was a young boy, but I saw men who would go to church and, because they had their eye on one of those girls. Yeah, and they would go to church, and once they got that girl, they never went back. So, so there were people who were joining them. Now, in the book of Acts, we find that, that when people were obviously joining the people of God, they, they had clean lives, they were wonderful people, and they were joining them. But after Ananias and Sapphira died, they didn't dare go there anymore. And it could very well be that God is bringing us to a place like that. I, I want to prepare you. Amen. And then Jesus says in verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. And what Jesus is saying to his body is that see that you are not troubled concerning the things that are going on in the world. There are many Christians who are very troubled around the world, especially in America, really troubled by all the craziness that they see. They just don't know what to do because they're trying to preserve our nation. There's nothing wrong with preserving the nation, but there's something wrong if, with us trying to change the course that God has set. There is something wrong with that. <clears throat> he says, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, now he says, for nation, 
will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So what God is saying is when we see these things, we're not to say, oh, oh God, let me pray against this. Let me pray against this. Oh, what are we going to do now? You know, maybe I should uh, buy a lot of food and store it up. Well, maybe you ought to, but not because of what you see. Not because you see trouble and difficulty. You're not reacting to the trouble and difficulty because there will be trouble sometimes. We, should, we have known that, most of us, many of us, for decades that the Word of God says these are coming. So I want you to brace yourself and be strong in this hour. He says, these, all these are the beginning of sorrows. So these are the beginning. When you see these pestilences like COVID-19, you see that things like that. You see the fires that were in Australia. You see the earthquakes that were in the Caribbean and in, in Croatia and Albania. You see, and some here in the U.S. You see these earthquakes. You see all these things happening. Um, he says, okay, these are the beginning. But you, you need to understand that you are in what we always called in the, in the Christendom, Christendom, the ark of safety. So when, when the floods came in Noah's day and they just covered the whole earth, Noah wasn't in a panic because he was in the ark. You don't need to be in a panic when you see these things. You can say, Lord, have mercy. That's always appropriate. But you are in the ark of safety, Jesus Christ. You're in Jesus Christ. If, if that wooden ark that, that Noah constructed could save those eight souls and all those animals, surely the one who holds all things together can hold you. So he holds you. So we always talk about I'm holding his hand. Yes, because he's holding mine. See, I remember as a little boy walking down the road with daddy going to the field. Yes, I had my hand in dad's hand, but dad was, dad was holding me. And your heavenly father holds you. Are you still with me? And so he says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. I see notice many, 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 many. So he's saying to you that you and I are like a remnant and, and people will betray. People who have come to church but not of the church, not the church, will betray you. But those who are light, those who are of the day, those who are not of night will never betray you. And this is what he's saying. They will hate one another. People will start to hate and I, I, I find it very pervasive. I, the hatred I see in the world is pervasive. It seems to be everywhere. And now this, is, it's not surprising to me that, that there's hatred and there's craziness out there. What surprises me is some of us participate. That, that's, that shocks me. That is my heartbreak. Oh. And I cry, not because I'm a Pillsbury Doughboy, I was never one of those guys, but I cry because my heart has been made tender by the love of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 again, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And one of the things is when you see something, we, we've heard in our government, say something. But when you see 
not only with your natural eyes, but when you see with your spiritual eyes, believe it. One of the things the Lord has healed me from uh, recently is saying, oh, that's just me. I know there are people in the congregation who will say sometimes God is revealing something to you and you think it's just you. What the Lord has been doing, he has been ridding me more and more of my own thoughts about things and now my thoughts are of God. Even the enemy would, uh, he shoots what we call thought bombs, right? You know, thought bombs that you, to try to uh, uh, sway, uh, persuade you away from the things of God. As I said to you, you know, when it, I was doing all this fasting and, you know, you know, all these long, long fasts that were gone. The enemy would shoot food bums, always food bums. Just always trying to distract me with food bums. You know, I, even to, to desire things I never liked. That's how diabolical he is, how bad he is. But let's continue to, to look at the scripture in uh, the final examination, part six. Let's look at verse 14. Now, I want to say that... Um, that you can read commentaries and find that there are commentators, and I, I don't have any ought with them, uh, because I'm sure that most of them were trying to discern the, the mind of the Lord when they wrote their comments about these scriptures. I just happen to disagree. I, I happen to disagree. You say, well, uh, what, what, are, what are your credentials to disagree? Well, I don't know if you would accept my credentials. But my credentials is spending time with Jesus. That, that's what I'm saying. So I disagree, but I don't condemn them because I think they were trying to help us. So in Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, there are m most commentators that I have read, and um, I, well, I was going to go somewhere else, but let me just say most commentators that I have read will say that this is a millennial uh, problem, I mean promise, that in the millennium that that's what, when this will happen, you know, the, the gospel will be preached in all the world. I disagree. I, I believe that that's why we exist as a fellowship. I believe that's why the Fellowship International uh, uh, exists, that we are to take the gospel of the kingdom to the four corners of the earth. I believe that every nation should, should have TFI there, preaching Jesus Christ and his soon coming. And this is what we're doing. And, and we have brothers and sisters, many of you are online. They're in, in Togo, in Ghana, in uh, Benin, in the Philippines, in, in Indonesia, in Belarus, and in Croatia, Serbia, and all around in South America, Suriname, in, 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 in uh, Central America. They are joining us and they're preaching and more are coming, more and more and more. Because I believe that this is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to arise in faith and, and, and believe him for something beyond the easy point, I would say. When, when God has subdued everything and then this happens. No, I think it happens now. I think it happens when we arise in faith. So Jesus' final examination, he is still talking. So he is now speaking what I consider to be perfection. He is speaking of things that were shortly to come and those things that were distant. What Jesus did, he offered the kingdom to Israel and they refused. He offered to usher in the kingdom and they refused. Now, I, he knew they were going to refuse, but still he offered the kingdom. They didn't. And Shortly after all of this, when you would come to the book of Acts, you would see again Jesus offering them 
the kingdom through the, the apostle Peter and those apostles who went into the kingdom and did marvelous acts of, of, of the power of God. They, they healed this man who had been crippled. Um, and uh, this man began to, the, the old song we used to sing, he, he began to walk and leap and praise God. And the temple it was hanging on to those apostles in the temple. And they saw the glorious things. And Peter offered them the kingdom. They had refused the father in John the Baptist. They had refused Jesus Christ, the son of God. So the father, the son. And now they refused the Holy Spirit. And so they kept refusing refusing. He was ready to do something. I offer to you that Jesus is ready to do something. Are you ready? Are you and I ready? That is the question. And so he says, um, still in verse 14, he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judah Judea, flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to, to get his clothes. Now, before I say, give you the, the woe in verse 19, some would look at this and say, well, what Jesus is talking about is uh, the second coming, that the rapture was not really a coming. That's what they're saying. Well, I, t I tend to disagree. I think what Jesus is talking about is you living in a state of preparedness. That you and I must live in a state of preparedness. That every day, it doesn't matter what happens, that, that you are ready for Jesus to come. You are living with that great expectation. Let me just sort of deviate for just a moment. You know, we've all, often, many of us are asking the Lord to make us better, to make me better. I, I do that all the time. Lord, make me better, make me better. And I found myself fighting the things that were making me better. Uh, yeah, I mean, because all those irritations that were coming, I, I was rebuking them in the name of Jesus. You know, what's going on here? That person is nuts, you know, like, you, you know, you just rebuke. But you said make you better. And what Jesus wants us to mature to a place where we don't need a perfect environment to do the, the perfect work of God. You don't need people treating you right every moment for you to be all right. He wants you to be all right regardless of what they do because you are of light and not darkness. You are of the day and not of the night. And so that's what God is doing. Even, uh, you know, with divorces here and divorces there, there are sometimes you can't, uh, you have nothing to do with it. I realize that there was nothing you did for that. But when, when two people who love Jesus are doing that, and, and somebody doesn't love him. Are you with me? Somebody doesn't love him in that. And so it could very well be that you didn't marry a Christian, you married a churchgoer. Yeah. Mm. So, so let's go back to verse 19. Let's go to verse 19. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. What Jesus is showing us, I believe here, is that these will be very harsh times. The, the, the end is going to be harsher and harsher, more perilous. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, 
no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh should, would be saved. What he's, he's, he's speaking of saved alive. He's not speaking of none of us being, would not be saved, but no flesh would be saved alive. Because you know, when you live in a society where, where almost everybody's packing, you don't ever know when you're not coming home. You know, so you have to live a life that God approves of because you don't know when you're coming home. You go to the grocery store, you don't know if you're going to make it back with the groceries. It's just true. You know, you, you, could, you could accidentally blow your horn at somebody, uh, accidentally blow your horn at somebody, and by, while you're trying to apologize, they come out shooting. Very likely. It could happen. It could happen. We live in perilous times. So will I allow those things to, as it were, pull me out of my Christian stance? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so let us, let us live with expectancy of his coming. So he says here, but uh, let me read 22 again. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but... For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He's not saying that you're going to be deceived. He is saying that if it were possible, those signs are so great that even you would be deceived. I find, and I want to just be totally full-throated here, I find that people who I thought were mature believe the most, the craziest things. I'm thinking, say that again? Where do you go to church? What Bible are you reading? To whom are you praying? Haven't you received the Holy Spirit? See, the, the spirit we have living in us is the spirit of truth. Yes. So you, you should have an affinity for truth. So wherever truth is, you're leaning toward the truth. You're not leaning toward lies. Amen. But when you get to the place where you can't tell the difference between the truth and the lie, you're in trouble. So, so what can you do? Seek the Lord. Just ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me. Help me. See, one of our problems is we tend to lean to the place where we have interests. You know, for example, if let's say I, I invested, um, say, $10,000 in a, any company you could name. Uh, I, I, it's, it's an up-and-up company, and I invest $10,000. Well, I'm interested in that company. I want them to do well. I'm reading the paper. I'm reading my re stock reports. I want to know what that company is doing. I mean, I've got interest there. Many people, God is going to have to do something to make you disinterested in the things you're interested in. He's going to have to touch us so that we're not so interested in the world system. Too, too many of us have investments there. That's why we're interested. We have not laid up fully our treasure in heaven. We've not fully laid up our treasure in heaven. So I would like for us to recommit to laying up our treasure in heaven Sometimes we act as though heaven doesn't pay good dividends. So we need to lay up our treasure in heaven. 
Invest in the kingdom. I, I don't have an issue with you investing in, in whatever company. But also invest in the kingdom. Are you still with me? Okay, so Jesus is talking about the latter times. He wants us to be ready. Remember, you know why Lot's wife looked back into uh, Sodom? You know why? She had investments there. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing for Jesus to come and you're going, well, what about my stock portfolio? Lord, you may drop from the sky. <laughs> yeah. But you're getting my point. Verse 25 says, see, I've told you beforehand. So Jesus says, I have, I've given you this information beforehand so that you will know when it happens. So when you're reading the Bible, Jesus is giving you beforehand information. All right? Giving you beforehand information. Verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. It's sort of like saying, okay, uh, Somebody's saying, hey, we've got this secret information over here that uh, this particular brother, nobody's ever heard of that brother ever. This particular brother, that's the truth. And you, you walk away from truth and embrace lies because somebody told you this person was the power of God. It's happening right now. And it's happening in a crazy ways in that it's happening over Internet. I am, I've said this at least maybe umpteen times, but I've said that I am so baffled, I am shocked that believers will follow an internet personality that nobody's ever heard of, that they have no idea of, rather than someone um, whose life is there in front of them. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. So it shows you that these times are upon us. Let me read quickly. I'm already sort of past my time. But... Uh, it happens from time to time. <laughs> let, let me read, read verse 27. Pastor Kidd's probably sitting down there and say, it does no good for you to tell me how much time to put on that clock. But we'll see. Let, let me read it quickly. Verse 27. Now, this is what Jesus is showing us about his coming. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. There's much we can say about that. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So God is saying there's not only going to be signs in the earth, there will be signs in the sky. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So there is a, the, the Son of Man is coming like lightning flashing, like pow, pow, so good or whatever. But then he says they will see him. You know, and so let's look at that. It doesn't, I don't believe, well, let me not tell you what I don't believe yet. Let me finish reading. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, all these things know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so let's believe, let's live with expectancy, and let's live in a state of preparedness. Let's live 
in a state of preparedness. Yes, you are to take care of, of your needs here, here and now, but don't forget about laying up treasure in heaven. Don't put all of your resources in earthly things. That's what I'm saying, and I'll be back in a moment.